I love that music. That is by our own Sophie Lloyd. She was an intern with us when she created it. It was for our, and still is, in our intern pursuit game on Steam. So we're going to go and tell you all about everything that Employers for Change is and how you can connect with us in so many different ways. So the first thing is, I want to be able to say Happy New Year to everybody. This is really exciting. Here we are, we're moving into this new year, and we want to be able to recognize all of the great stuff that's happening. There is something that's coming up, and is it is the Future of Education Technology Conference. It is January 25th through the 28th. It is at the Orange County Convention Center. So if you have not signed up, be sure to go and sign up. I'm going. I'm really excited. I know I'm going to meet a lot of really great thought leaders and all kinds of really amazing people that are looking at skill development and education. And what is it going to look like in 2030? And as you guys know, that is the purpose of this show. So be sure to go to Florida. Well, just Google it. Future of Education Technology Conference in Orlando. And hopefully I'll, I'll get to see you there. If you see me, be sure to come up and say hi. So the interim whisper tip of the week is be sure to plan with your people, um, include them in the strategic plan to get everyone excited and to also, you know, be able to establish the goals, the milestones, everything that you want to do together with your people. So coming up this year. It's 2022. And this is our show that's kicking off the year. Um, I want to make sure that I also share something else. What is your word for this year? So mine is communication. I'm not going to lie. I have not been super great at it. I need to be communicating more effectively, obviously with my, my team, I'm going to say that. And that's something I try to teach them and model to them. So I don't try, I do it. Um, secondly, I want to do a better job of communicating with my, uh, with my um, customers. I can do way better than what I'm doing. And also, I am fundraising. So I'm making this as a formal announcement. We are doing our first pre-seed raise. And if you know of anybody that loves ed tech or future work tech, be sure to have them contact me. So I'm just putting it out there in the universe. We're raising a half a million. That is our raise. And we have two investors already. So, you know, come on in and let's sit down and talk. So for communication, the reason why you want that to be your word, it will reduce anxiety. It answers questions. It also makes sure that there's no misguided thoughts or, and it solves all kinds of problems. Honestly, when people know what is going on and the why they're very inclined to give you a lot of grace and grace is a great gift. So please share this episode tag three people in that share, tell them why they would benefit from listening to the interim whisper. That is one of our other asks. Our hashtags are hashtag E4C and employers for change. So I don't have a co-host with me yet. I also do not have my associate producer intern yet. So if you are looking for that, be sure to sign up at in E, the number four, the letter C dot tech and submit your application. We would love to meet you and, and see if you're going to be a fit for this job because it's got to be something obviously you want. So the other thing that I'm going to add up here is I'm going to do my own interview of myself. So our show is all about education, innovation, and the future of industries and jobs. 
And so I'm going to tell you about myself with five words, like how we usually do with all of our guests. So the first one is I'm a Jesus girl. I do have a potty mouth. I will say that. So I will occasionally say some bad words, especially that F word. It'll fly out. I know that's not consistent with being a, a Christian. I do hope that I never offend anybody. I use it in a way it's like an adjective, like, oh, that's so effing amazing. How did you do that? So the, the thing is that words only have power as much as we want to give them. So I think it's also important to remember that, you know, we, we don't have to give those words the power that, you know, others may see. So that's okay. You know, um, just remember, it's, it's not a word that's being used against you, is what I would say when you're listening to other people. Um, try not to judge. The second word I would use is I am relational. I'm extremely relational. I'm one of those people that, you know, when I meet you, I want to be able to have a, a good relationship. I like to be able to call you and say, hey, let's go hang out or potentially how can we do business together and just different ways. I'm very relational. So I, I know I'm a busy person, as most of the people that work with me will tell you that, but it is important to be relational and to be what that means is that you're willing to be transparent. You're willing to put your guard down. You're willing to say, oh, you know what? That happened to me also, whether it's mental health or if it's something that's, um, you know, some something that you're not proud of or whatever, it's okay to put those things out there. Our focus on this year as we go in, oops, wait, I'm not going to give that away yet. I'm going to save it for after my five words. So you want to make sure that you're really focusing on another person too. That's part of a relationship, right? Everything is like dating, I think everything. So if we're remembering that when you're dating somebody that you're wanting to be kind, you're wanting to show your best self, you're really listening, you're engaged with the other person, that is what being a relational person is, in my opinion. Anyway, my third word that I would use is mentor, because inside of Employers for Change, we're all about mentoring. I know that I spend a lot of time mentoring those around me, but they also do that for me. So what a lucky person I am. I'm sitting here telling you right now that mentoring goes both ways. And that is called peer and reverse mentoring. Peer mentoring could be the mentoring that is actually taking place in that work environment. It could be within your department, for example, to to developers, their peers, because they share the same profession. But you can also be peers within a company because you what you share is the same company that you have in common. The other side of what reverse mentoring is, is typically we think of mentoring as the older person down to the younger. I am here to tell you, no, that is not true. It is actually the younger person mentoring the older person. So it's very important to remember it does go both ways. I know that I have learned, you guys have heard me talk about how I can learn from three-year-olds and it helps me to understand how to work with adults. And I'm not kidding you, a, a three-year-old, when I, I teach Sunday school to three-year-olds, and when I walk in that room, those kids will run up, oh, Miss Isabella, they're so happy to see me. Well, what if we did that in real life with the people that we were around? You know, we're always happy to see them, not having, oh, hey, how are you? Whatever. 
you know, remembered that. So that's like lesson one. The second thing that I would tell you that I've learned from working with three-year-olds is that they're extremely forgiving. If, if their feelings are hurt or something happens, they'll come over and I'll say, okay, can we, can we have a hug? Can we, you know, go ahead and, and make up? And they just, they just melt right into you. And what if people, grownups were the same way? Don't hold grudges, let it go. The third lesson I think that I take from working with three-year-olds is they're constantly curious. They're asking why they don't live within the constructs of, oh, this is how it's supposed to look, or this is what it's supposed to be. They actually color outside of the lines. And, you know, that's kind of interesting, you know, coloring outside of the lines, they're learning how to color inside the lines, but it's also okay to color outside of the lines. The fourth one that I would add on to this is that working with three-year-olds is, you know, they want to be seen, they want to be respected, they want to be accepted. And they're some of the best people that really demonstrate what inclusion is. They'll sit here and they'll play with, you know, one another in the room. Somebody walks up, they don't take time to go, oh, hey, my name is Isabella, what's your name? They just start playing together. And it doesn't matter what the gender is. It doesn't matter what the race is, what the ethnicity is. It doesn't matter if that kid is a little bit different, if there's something that's a little different about them. You know, they're very, very good. If they don't understand something, the fifth lesson would be is they ask. They're going to ask you, well, why is this? Why do, why do they look this way? Or why is it that they did this? You know, they want to understand. But they aren't worried about what is somebody going to think when they ask that question. Now, as we get older, we also know it's really, really important to be considerate of other people's opinion. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But for right now, um, they're, I can say that they don't always have a filter, but they do have a filter. And they know what is the right thing and the wrong thing. And they are pretty good about learning how to wait their turn to say something. So I will tell you, I think that you can learn a lot from three-year-olds. As a matter of fact, that's one of the articles that I'm going to be writing about what you can learn from a three-year-old as a grown-up. Um, maybe it's going to be a book. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So my other word that I would use, I've given you three. The first one is Jesus girl. The second one was relational. The third one was mentor. The fourth one is leader. And there's a difference between being a mentor and a leader. So a leader, one of my favorite leadership models is servant leadership. And what that means is it's a focus on those that are around you. You want to make sure that they're being, um, nurtured, that they're being able to grow. And with that, when you, and it ties into the relationship and the mentoring, I'm sure that you guys all see that. So a servant leader is there to serve others first. You see it very, very much in the military life and in those that serve like people in, in uh, the fire department and also in police. Their job is to serve, serve the public that actually pays them. And that is how I believe leaders should focus is, you know, we, we pay our employees and we want them to be, you know, happy. We want them to be engaged. We want them to be um, fulfilled. And we need to really remember what that is like. So each person is unique and different. And it does require that as a leader, we identify, well, what is their, what is their 
what are their skills that they're bringing in here? What is the abilities and the strengths and their challenges that they have? What is their personality type? How do they like to communicate? What do they speak multiple languages? What are their goals? How can I help them reach their goals within this organization? Many times, if you're in a small business, you may not have uh, a growth plan where somebody can maybe move up the ladder in growth, but you can cross train people across departments so that they can become even an assistant manager. And you can also have that managing mentality inside of your company. If it's always focused on um, customer experience, that's a great thing. And empowering people so that they understand that they are there to help solve problems for your customers, that they are the face of the company and how they react is huge amounts of power. And so that word empowerment means giving them the power to make decisions to help solve people's problems, to bring that anxiety down in the workplace so that, or for your customer, not the workplace, sorry, but for your customers so that when they step into that role to solve a problem, if somebody's, you know, something happened where the product didn't deliver on time or the, the um, service wasn't what they expected, you can sit down and say, okay, let me listen to what your problems are. And then actually sit here and say, okay, I think I can help you with these particular things. Let's go ahead and, and develop that. So active listening, being able to solve a problem, use critical thinking skills to be able to address issues that they may not even know how to solve yet, knowing when to collaborate. Those are huge power skills that your employees can bring and help solve problems for your customers. So that's what a leader does is they empower their people around them to come in and, and truly be people that have a sense of ownership and what it is that we are doing within that company. I use the word we. We is an important word to use when you're talking with employees, but it's also a word that when your employee uses that word, you know that they are buying into your company, they're buying into your leadership, they're buying into what your mission and your vision is. So really important as it goes for servant leadership. There's books on this, there are studies on this, and it is something that I love to teach others. So if you are so inclined, we do have an E4C Learning Academy, and you can join there. Uh, we do have communities set up, and you're going to be able to start learning about some of these key leadership models that are out there and how it can improve your business and also your company culture. Okay, so my last word, I'm pretty sure you'll probably figure this one out, is educator. I was a public classroom teacher at one point in time. I taught middle and high school English. And I loved it. I worked with all different types of ability levels. And what that means in education is there was a group that was called at risk. They were usually the ones that were always, um, if we're going to label anything, they weren't in school a lot. They didn't do well. They had um, really rough backgrounds that they came from. Maybe they didn't have parents around. They could have been living in a very low socioeconomic group. It's, it's just a tough life, honestly. So that was the at-risk group. The next one was what they called standard, and that's your everyday middle-class family, the, the kids that are in there. They're people that are in band, they're in sports, they're in you know, all the different types of clubs. They're, you're just your average American person. 
And then there was honors level. Those were moving up. They're more of your high achievers. It doesn't mean that the standard level kids aren't that. Um, everybody gets put into a track, honestly, in public schools. And so those tracks identify what type of engagement that they're actually um, producing in class. Some people need more stimulation than others. Now, if I had a kid that said, oh, I want to move up and go into honors, I'd say, okay, well, this is what you need to do to demonstrate that you can do that. I don't want to just move you up there. Um, let's spend this quarter together and you can demonstrate to me that if you have an A for this whole first quarter, then I'm going to be okay with signing off and saying, hey, I'm going to let you move up an ability level. I actually did that with one of the students that was with me in uh, when I was teaching high school. It was 10th grade and the student came in. Um, he was not a U.S. Uh, citizen yet. He was an international and English was uh, definitely a language that he knew. He's pretty strong in it, but he spoke two languages. Because he didn't test well, he got put into the at-risk classes. He said, well, I really want to move into um, the standard level classes. I want to move up. I want to be able to graduate out of honors or possibly gifted. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said, okay, so here's the plan. This is what you need to do. Um, show me that you can uh, make an A the first semester. That's going to be great. I'll sign off. He did. He absolutely did. He did more than what I asked for. He was working at that next ability level. It didn't give him the work that I would give perhaps the at-risk kids because, you know, he was highly engaged. No problem. I signed off. He went into the honors level class or standard level class. And from there, when he graduated, he came and he looked for me at graduation as soon as it was over. And he said, because of you, you allowed me to move up that ability level. I moved up the next year when I was a, a senior into honors level. And that made a huge difference. I'm going to college. And in this, you know, for his family, that was a really big deal that he was the first generation that was going to be graduating from college made me feel really good, honestly. And who wouldn't it make feel good? Because there you're about being able to make a difference in somebody's life and help them be in a better place. And that is what a servant leader does. That is where we as we all have power to be able to change somebody's life for, for better. And we should choose that, whether it's for our customers or if it's for our employees and in our friends and even in ourselves, we should always choose to be a better person. So those are my words that I chose. Jesus girl, um, relational mentor, leader, and honestly educator. And I think I'm even going to add servant leader over there on that side of leaders. So it's more specific. I know it says five words, but Jesus girl is two words. So there you go. Now you know a little bit more about me, my five words that I would use or compound words, if you will, that I would use about myself. So educational background. I uh, grew up, well, I was actually, I'm just going to give you a fun little story about myself. I was actually in, uh, born in Kansas and I was born, I, this has nothing to do with education. It's just, you know, fun fact, if you will. I was born in Kansas in a little town called Medicine Lodge, Kansas, and it had a thousand people in it when I was born and it still has probably a thousand people in it. 
every four years, leap year, they do a reenactment of the signing of the peace treaty between the five tribes from the Trail of Tears and the white settlers. It's a historic event. It has nothing to do with any type of stereotyping or denigration of people. It is just historical and it is magical, honestly. Um, I, I believe it's pretty accurate. I saw it when I was a kid. I haven't gone back to see it as an adult and I, I want to. It's like on my list of to-dos for sure. So the background from there, and I'm going to jump forward, I just thought it was a fun fact to share is um, I've always moved around a lot. So when we got to Orlando, Florida, I graduated from Lake Brantley High School, I went on to college to University of Florida, I spent two years there. And then I transferred to FSU, I was going to be a criminology major. And this is going to be another little revealing fact um, that I don't normally share with people, but I am in education. So I've decided, no, I'm going to go ahead and be transparent and share it. So I transferred to FSU and I spent a little bit too much time, um, you know, not paying attention to what I was supposed to be doing there. I was dating somebody at the time and I ended up flunking out and I got sent home. I did the walk of shame having to go home and it was not pleasant at that point in time. So my parents sat me down and said, so, you know, you should have, you should have been paying attention because now if you're going to graduate from college, you're putting yourself through school. Everything changed for me at that point in time. And that's the God's honest truth. So I um, put myself through school. I ended up enrolling at Rollins College. I graduated with honors from there. Um, I worked full-time and I went to school full-time. So it was hard. And I can honestly tell you when I have interns that work with me and they have a job, I understand how incredibly hard that is and what they have to sacrifice. They're one of my first people that I want to hire because that's another little employer tip I would share is if you have a student that's coming in and they're working a job and they're with you and they're in an unpaid internship, by golly, you got to do everything you can to make sure that's a really good experience for them as well as you challenge them because honestly, they know how to manage their time. They are really good at this and they have figured out what the priorities are. So, you know, give them a lot of uh, benefit and, you know, make those one of your first hires for sure. The thing about um, going to Rollins, like I said, I was an English major. I went back to school and I picked up an MBA from, I'm going to name all kinds of schools here. Bellhaven University. They're out of Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi, but they have a branch here in Orlando, Florida. And then I went back to school again, and I'm all but dissertation for a PhD in leadership with a specialization in human resource development. So when I'm telling you about my educational background, it's pretty eclectic. I've been at a lot of schools, honestly, here in, in Florida. And I also have a certificate in nonprofit management and in leadership development. So those are things that definitely make me an educator because usually educators love learning. Uh, the same applies, I think, for people in HR. They're very focused on being able to train and be able to help others. From there, I, you know, the thing about being an educator is that uh, I taught for 11 years in middle and high school English. And I will tell you that 
you know, you don't make a lot of money as a teacher. As a matter of fact, I was one of the prom sponsors. And when I helped put on that prom, I can tell you that it, um, it costs more to put on a prom than what a teacher makes. And that's kind of, uh, kind of frustrating for sure. However, I was helping to put on the prom. So nonprofit management is something that has been something I've done parallel with entrepreneurship, always had a side gig on as a teacher. And then, you know, the, the space of education. And I switched over to training and learning when I began teaching adult learners. So I left uh, being a high school and middle school teacher into higher ed. And I, I've taught there for 15 years and I love teaching adults. I, I love teaching my little three-year-olds. I like the high school and middle school kids, but I also learn so much from the adults. So when you understand that full spectrum of learning from preschool all the way up to adult learners, you'll, you'll see that there's a lot that you know is in common. And it goes back to my three-year-old little lesson that I was sharing with you guys. Everyone wants to be seen that's inclusion. They want to be accepted. That's inclusion. They want to be respected. They want to be able to contribute. So just remember that you can learn a lot by remembering basic courtesy, basic kindness, basic just being a human. So that's really where I went from education. I've worked for the Nature Conservancy. I was a grants administrator and a financial analyst. I've worked for the Center for Independent Living for Rollins College. I was doing those things, um, some of them full-time, some of them part-time. And I've worked in everything from writing grants to putting on fundraising events to um, donations, direct donations, all types of uh, ways that you know, nonprofit gifts. The best thing that I can tell you that we in business should, and it's finally caught up, honestly, that nonprofits do super, super well is that they know how to tell good stories. And that is key because in business, we have finally caught on that it is through telling a story that people connect. And that was one of the key concepts I learned in my PhD classes. Adults learn through storytelling. You'll remember 60 to 70% of the story, whereas when you're talking about facts and statistics, it's like maybe less than 10% when you walk away. And it's got to be a significant fact or statistic, honestly. But if you put that inside of a story, it becomes something that's more memorable. Another little tip of the week there. This is all about making sure that you guys, as our listeners, know how to um, accelerate what is going on inside of your company to create a dynamic culture, one that's built around inclusion, to be able to empower your people, to um, strengthen leadership and mentoring within your companies. That's what we're talking about here today. So the where I got to I am now is when I left, honestly, uh, teaching, I decided, no, I'm going to throw in, I'm going to throw all the way in. I wanted to be able to build a empire and I wanted to make an empire that was gonna bring significant change. It was gonna help people have a better workplace, to be kinder to each other, to actually see each other and not see what's on the outside, but see what's inside of the head, your brain, and also inside of your heart. 
And that's really why I created Employers for Change. My first company is Pivot Business Consulting. There we do all types of training and workshops. We have some that are going to be coming up next week here down at Avalon Park. And then, you know, I also teach lean startup methodology as well as write, you know, full-on business plans. It just depends on what people need. So from there, Employers for Change, it was really Intern Pursuit Inc. was the first company, and that's the parent company. It's the holding company for Employers for Change platform, for the E4C Academy, for the Intern Whisper podcast, and for the Intern Pursuit game on Steam. So all of those are all put together in a little bundle under Intern Pursuit Inc. And my other company is Cat5 Studios. With Cat5, we produce the podcast here for Employers for Change, and we also produce the um, game that's on Steam, Interim Pursuit Game. So as I'm mentioning any of these things, if you guys, when you're listening, we would love, 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 love if you would go over and leave comments <clears throat> about the show. Um, leave a comment. Tell us what you like. Tag us. You know, it can be Interim Pursuit, hashtag Interim Pursuit Game, hashtag E4C, hashtag Employers for Change. Use any of those. Hashtag, you know, use me also if you want. Tag me into things and um, let leave a comment. So we're going to go and look for your comments. If you do those things, I will do one of these things. If you're asking, if it's about the game, I will send you a game key so you can play the game, or I will send you a T-shirt, or I will send you our adult coloring book, which is all about the characters and the environment and all kinds of cool stuff from the game. If you tag me as the interim whisperer, then I will send you an employer. Well, we don't have employers for change shirts yet. We have interim pursuit shirts. So I will send you one of those. But we also have some really cool um, green, not green screens. We have, uh, yeah, green screen that you can use for your anytime you're using uh, video conferencing calls. So they're all from the game and it's going to look like you're in outer space. So it's super fun. The if you tag me on um, E4C or uh, Employers for Change, I'll still send you a T-shirt. So no matter what it is that you're doing, I'm going to send you some swag. So I want to really encourage you guys to engage with us. If you don't, if we don't see you in social feed, send me an email through info at e4c.tech and tell me about the show. Tell me what you liked about it. Be sure to take a screenshot of whatever the um, comment is that you left and on what podcast channel we use Podbean here. So, you know, we can see those types of comments, but we can't always see anything else that's on. We, we distribute on 16 podcast channels, so we have no idea. But you can also subscribe to us on our E4C Employers for Change YouTube channel. And you can watch the videos too, if you prefer the videos. So we're going to have closed captions, super good stuff like that going on. Now, that is how I got to where I am now. So, you know, we're growing, we've got uh, a pilot going on, we're looking for 50 more employers to join us on the pilot, it's a 50% off. So hopefully, you're going to sign up and be a part of our movement is what I'm going to say. Now, um, our goals. What is our goals for this show? I'm going to tell you the goals for the show is to be able to bring you more thought leaders that are focused on the future of work. We're going to talk about future of work, 2030, 2040. What are the skills? What is the automations? What are those going to look like? What would it be like with robots, with 
AI, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, things that we haven't even thought about. Like, what is that all going to look like? So we're going to have more of those experts, the SMEs coming on, the thought leaders that are in it. And so for the next two shows that are coming up, we've got our guests pretty much booked out for the quarter. And we're, you're going to be able to see those names. We'll make sure that we put it in social but the show that's going to be launching next week is the one with Shalonda Simons Emanuel. Her show was the most downloaded episode. Yay, a little fanfare for Shalonda. Um, I'm really excited to do that interview with her. And we're going to do a deeper dive about work passion and also about multicultural diversity. What does that look like? So you're going to get to hear more about that topic. And she's launching a podcast. So we're going to talk about what that podcast is going to be about. The other person that's going to be coming up is Jane Oates. <clears throat> and she is the president of Working Nation. That is going to be a really powerful show because she was also appointed by previous President Obama. And she was appointed to be a part of his uh, cabinet. And she was significant in a lot of the things that we were focused on for work skills of, you know, workforce and all of those types of, I would say, um, laws that were coming up and think changes, just significant changes that we can make in education, as well as in the workplace and how we need to be gearing up for certainly like we need to be now thinking about 2030, not 2022, we need to be getting prepared for 2030. And that's what employers for change platform and also for our academy is done is doing we are focused on a multi-dimensional learning approach and if you want to know more i've got a link for that in also our website but you know again tag me tell me you want to know more about multi-dimensional learning it was uh, an article i wrote it was published on brains magazine well shout out for brains so b-r-a-i-n-z and I'm going to tell you that there's going to be another article that's going to be published there. And I also publish in Medium. So look for those different places where you can find things. Anyway, our show, like I said, experts, we're going to be focusing a lot, lot, lot on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so we're going to get all kinds of tips about how we can have better inclusive cultures and a, an inclusive culture mindset, not just the faces on the page, but inclusion is about abilities and skills also and so much more. We're going to talk about multidimensional learning. We're going to talk about personality types. We're going to be talking about what skills and how we should be developing skills, cognitive skills, neuro learning, really cool things that I'm really confident you guys are going to like a lot. But we're also going to bring in these great entrepreneurs, the CEOs, the heads of these companies that can come and tell you what they foresee the future of work is going to look like. Um, we've got some uh, really nice students coming in that are going to work on bringing more sound effects into the show. One of my favorite podcasts is um, Reed Hoffman's show and it's Masters of Scale. And I think it is so artfully done. A second one that I love so very much is Latino USA. Really great podcast. Super, super good. So I recommend those, you know, a lot. Um, different types of formats, you know, they're definitely storytelling. Uh, Reed's show, uh, Masters of Scale, is, is, is an interview, whereas the Latino USA, it looks at stories of individuals that are from different walks of um, 
either immigrant immigrants or people here in the United States. They do a lot of some journalistic type news and storytelling, but they also have really cool interviews in there. So I recommend those podcasts. I, I'm interested in hearing yours. So, you know, share with us on our YouTube, you know, leave us a, a comment as to what your favorite your favorite podcasts are, as well as the podcasts that um, you could certainly tag them in our comments and just say, hey, this is another great podcast like The Intern Whisper. I'm going to give a shout out for Chris Kremitzos also with PodFest and PodFest is going to be having a conference coming up. It's going to be in Orlando. So go sign up for PodFest. They do VidFest and PodFest. Um, so many amazing speakers. I've been so grateful, so fortunate to have been one of the speakers twice at the last couple of conferences. And so, you know, I applied, you know, here's hoping I get to come back and be another speaker. All right. So that's how I got to where I am now. I talked to you about what's coming up on this show, you know, what the conversations are going to be. Oh, and we do have a goal. You know, when you speak your goals out loud and you know, you're more accountable. So our goal is to hit 5,000 downloads by the end of January. And so by the end of the goal, the big milestone that we want to hit is 1,000 downloads daily by the end of the year. So that's a lot of listeners, but I'm happy to share that we had 4,000 downloads by the end of 1231 of 2021. And we also are closing in on 200 episodes. So pretty excited and happy to share that with you guys and thank each and every one of you guys that are listening to this show. So my next question is uh, my favorite quote that I live by. Well, one of them that I typically share is Eleanor Roosevelt. That is no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. But I'm going to add one here and it's from the purpose driven life. It is not all about you. But yet it is. It's what's so great about that particular quote is it is not all about us. We are here again to be a servant leader and to be able to share what, you know, that is meaning to us personally, but also how we focus on other individuals. We are here in life to uh, we're made for relationship. This is where my, my faith-based and my spiritual side steps in. We're made for relationships with each other. We need to be kind to each other. We need to be, you know, not saying bad things. Don't judge people. All of those types of really great qualities that we want others to show us, then we need to show them to other people. So, but it is about us in this one difference, in this one way. We can always make a difference in somebody else's life. And so that's important to remember that, yeah, it is about you in the sense of what can you do for somebody else? All right. So my next question is, who is the most influential person in my life and why? Well, I'm going to tell you, it is Jesus. It is. I'm a spiritual person. I don't normally talk about my, my faith and what I believe on my show, but this one's about me and I'm sharing more about me. So it's appropriate to be able to share it for sure. I'm, a, like I said, a spiritual person. And I hope that what somebody sees when they have conversations with me is that they see, they see Christ, they see Jesus Christ. 
And many times I'm an extremely direct uh, communicator. So what that means is sometimes I forget to say please and thank you. Sometimes I, I'll say something and I may not have checked my tone or, or something or sounds just really kind of strong. And I have to remember to dial myself back and go, wait a minute, you know, that, that could have been, you know, kind of hurtful. So, you know, it's important to always uh, think about the other person and going back to that purpose-driven life quote, it is not all about you. And remember, oh my goodness, if, if somebody said that to me, would that hurt my feelings? Usually not. I'm, I'm pretty direct in my communication and I figure, you know, other people, it's okay for them to be just as direct back to me. So most influential person, like I said, it is Jesus. So whether somebody comes into your life for a reason, a season, or, you know, for the rest of your life, you always want to be able to give the gift of grace and that is priceless. And, you know, how many times do we ask for forgiveness and grace and mercy in our own lives? So be willing to give that back. <clears throat> My next question is, we're flipping this around from the previous year, is what am I most grateful for? I have people that have been sharing my vision and stayed with me for years, growing Employers for Change, the platform, the Academy, the Interim Whisper podcast, the Cat Pipe Studios, Pivot. And I want to thank each one of those people. So I'm going to name some names here. Um, the first one I'm going to name is Joe Nastasi. He's been with me here uh, as a developer. He started as an intern and he moved over into the lead developer role. I, I would always tease him when he was an intern. I'd say, you know, you're, you're like a unicorn, you know, people are underestimating you. And I, I see so much potential in him and he has been just a really valuable, um, person, a partner, not like a partner, partner, but um, really, really valuable person that's just shared the vision and the mission. And um, just, yeah, I really appreciate you, Joe. The other two, three are uh, Tyler Eaglin, uh, John Stimson, and Alex Kirk. They have been with me also on the game team <clears throat> for about four years. Um, maybe over four years. Um, but these guys are the same thing to me like Joe is, and they've been a part of this journey. And that's rare to find people that will stay and they, you know, they have, they've been throwing in a lot of sweat equity for sure, as we've been growing things because, you know, we're a startup. And I appreciate them. But that game team, the people on my game team, which is like William Yap and Ignacio Blasquez, and, and I have um, Inga, I can't even say Inga's last name still, it's really hard for me. It's Ukrainian name, Mozinski, I'm going to say Mozinska. Um, sorry, Inga, didn't mean to slaughter it. Um, there's just, you know, some really Ralph has been there greasing and, you know, there's just been really amazing people that have been here. So Canyon has been on the team. He hasn't been here for a year yet, but, um, I do want to recognize, you know, all of those people, the ones from the past, uh, the ones that are currently with me for sure. And then also the, um, the others that are coming in. So we enjoy working with everybody that comes in, but, I did not get to where I am without every single person from past, present, and those coming in. If you look at everything that's been built, it was done websites and software platform and, 
and the videos and the editing and everything. This was all done by interns with me and they have demonstrated some really amazing skills. So I wanna make sure that all of these people, I can't name them all, honestly, there's just so many that I've been so fortunate and privileged to work with, but you know, they know who they are and um, just thank you. So favorite meal that I can whip up in four ingredients, think the show chopped. It's one of my favorite ones. Omelets. They're packed with protein and you can make them be whatever you want, including like a dessert, you know, throw some Nutella in there. Like, I don't know if it works with omelets, but uh, I think more of like crepes and it's like super yummy and crepes are basically, you know, a little bit of flour and eggs. Um, how do I like to communicate with others? I'm going to pick in person. It's always going to be in person. The more of your senses that you use when you have conversations with people, you're listening, you can see them. And if you're in the same room, you know, you have the ability to, you know, touch their hand or something like the more of your senses, that means that it is, you know, helping to form a stronger emotional bond in the workplace and feel value. It's really important to feel value. So I'll pick in person. I'm going to pick um, phone next. Honestly, I'll pick a phone call over a video chat. I'll pick video chat third. I'll pick um, text if it's only like two or three, two, two back and forth exchanges. If we hit three, it's time to pick up the phone and call. And then I'm going to pick email. I get over 1500 emails a day. So it's a lot. And that's how I like to be communicated with. I will not pick social channels to communicate on except for honestly, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the favorite social channel. Um, favorite movie of all time. I have three, The Princess Bride, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Men in Black. Love those. So over here, we're going to take a brief moment and, and I have no editor. So I'm going to hope that I actually get this right. This is our ad for Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we are back to our show. So here we are. Now, you guys know that in the second half of the show, we always talk about the future of jobs and industries in 2030. So let's talk about first, we're back in COVID world still. Um, it hasn't ever left us. And what is that impact? How is it changing how we work? Not only is it changing, like, it's not the return to the office that we were thinking it was going to be. It's actually asking for more work schedules. So people don't go to an office. There's hybrid where they work in an office and they work remotely. And then there's also this place where they want to have more flexibility in their day. Companies that are trying to be competitive are paying attention to finding that work-life balance. That's significant. So there's a lot of research that's going on right now to better understand how productive are people? How is it helping advance the company with like the ROI, the return on the investment of that as a benefit? Um, those are all significant. And then we went and we looked at like, what are the... Um, 
top 10 trends that are going to be coming up in 2030. So looking at the workplace, though, we're going to stay consistent with the workplace. It's just going to be very, very different because personally, I love going into an office. I can separate that from my home life, and I, I value that greatly. So being able to go into an office means that I, I have all of my work things there. I still work from home, but it's just a different experience. I can stay in a work mode a lot easier because there's no place to lay down. There's nowhere to go and do laundry. There's like no refrigerator that I'm trying to, you know, go and eat instead of doing my work. So you guys get the idea. I find myself to be way more productive in a workplace. I also noticed that I like, even though I work in co-working places, which are all open and people are all around and you're talking. Um, I, I'm fine with being able to work in those settings. I actually like it because it's kind of like white noise for me. However, when I'm doing a call, I do like being able to have a place of more solitude to be in, whether it's a conference room or have my own office. So I really like having the best of both. A, a place where it's a co-working space where there's like a lounge, people can hang out, they can be social. But I also like the ability to go into an office. It doesn't have to be a big place, but I enjoy that a lot. So the independent study that's published by CBRE and Genesis and a report from Wall Street Journal uh, says that the workplace in the future is going to be very, very different from the one that we see today. So these are the 10 trends of what they say for places to work. The best workplaces will have, just like I was saying, different quiet areas so that workers can have choices where they want to work and eliminating assigned seating together. So I don't know how that would work, honestly, in a call center, because obviously you have people together in a call center. And that's kind of, uh, I guess, the exception. But if you're looking at, you know, whatever the size of your business is and what your business does, how would you want to be able to bring your people together? So many times, you know, companies are saving money in rent. And so now they go and they take their companies out, maybe on a, a monthly get together where they go out to eat and they socialize that way. But I've seen, I believe it's going to be the bigger trend is having co-working spaces with open workplaces where people can go and sit and have a coffee or work in an open setting. And then also, you know, and just move around wherever they want within that co-working space. I think that's going to be a really big trend. The second um, trend that they're saying is that there's going to be smaller individual organizations. And what that means is smaller corporations. So you may not have a company that has, you know, a thousand or more people or even 500 or more. Um, there's a lot more startups that are opening up. And I think that's really where they're talking about that more than anything. There's a more opportunity to collaborate and there will be no need to build a big costly business. So I, one of the places I work out of is Orlando Game Space. Little shout out to Kanal Patel, Chad Hoover. Um, these guys help make this place you know, super, super fun for us. And that's where my company, Cat5 Street, all my companies work out of there. I work out of like three different co-working places and looking for to add two others. Um, I find it really helpful because I can connect with my potential prospects and my customers there. But I also get to have a lot of diversity and work out of other places. So having a smaller place, but specifically inside of Orlando Game Space, it is all about the collaboration. 
when somebody gets a contract, they're checking with the other companies. Okay, I need to be able to hire you guys as some of my subcontractors. Do you have the ability to do X, Y, and Z? Yes, great. I'm going to add you into this proposal. And then that becomes part of the way that we can all benefit because we're partnering together. We may not be a company of 100 yet, but our goal is to be able to provide a service that demonstrates that we are a company of 100 with our uh, collaborative relations and our subcontracting. The other place that I work out of is Avalon Park, the fifth floor. What is super cool about the fifth floor, it is very, very futuristic. It is. It was originally um, founded in Basel, Switzerland. Um, Stephanie Lorette is the marketing manager or director out there. I love Stephanie. She's so helpful. The fifth floor is managed by um, Jacqueline Seaton. Um, both Jacqueline and and Stephanie have been guests on the podcast, the, our podcast in last year, as a matter of fact, in season four. So go and listen to those episodes. Really, really, you know, kind, very smart women also, very, very smart. And the fifth floor has super high tech stuff. If you come in after hours or on the weekend, you have to do facial recognition at the elevator, uh, etna scan, retina scan, and then you can get into the elevator to go to the floor. Um, the doors are locked, so you can't go up there any other way. When you get to the fifth floor, that's the name of the co-working space, um, you get off, you can go to your office, and they use biometrics. So you put your fingerprint on the um, on the, the door area where you would unlock it, and you get access to your office. It is beautiful. It honestly looks like it is straight out of a European, you know, high decor magazine it is beautiful there i recommend you know depending on what you like um you can go check out orlando game space it's filled with you know a bunch of super super high creatives game companies all different types and then we have some other people that just like the energy that's there it's 24 7 you can go to avalon park it's the same thing it's over there 24 7 access but you work with different types of people, you know, more in that um, traditional professional realm. There's like lawyers and accountants and some um, mental health people, uh, consultants, uh, a lot of people in real estate and property management. The third place that I work from is a construction office and it's with um, Orlando World Live. So we can go and work out of there 24 seven. And a couple of places that I'm gonna be um, going to meet with is eSpaces. They're over here in Orlando and they are a uh, out of Tennessee, I believe it is. And they're down here, really cool co-working space. And then I met with Scott Hill today and Scott is gonna be opening up a, a co-working space that is Pod Suites, and it will be down in um, Orlando, in the near the um, Orange County uh, Convention Center area. So those are all cool places that I can recommend. But I like going to other places. The third third workplace future is uh, tip says that well our forecast is less hierarchy. Everyone will be a leader. So remember what I said, the focus is about servant leadership and peer and reverse mentoring. Yes, everyone will be a leader. Work will thrive in teams, not with dictators. So yes, I'm so happy to hear that. And that's where employers for change. We are all focused on helping you, um, our customers, 
get the best out of all of your people, accelerating learning. My goal is to make a three month timeframe of working together equivalent to a year of experience. And that is super, super hard. If you're in HR and education, you know how hard that is. But that is my vision uh, for us to do, accelerate learning because, you know, you open up your phone, you open up your computer, boom, stuff has changed. Um, the fourth one is a big emphasis on wellness. Offices will be much healthier environments, whether that's good lighting, relaxing areas, sleeping rooms, music, pets at work, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, the fifth one is a need for a chief of work role. The chief of work will set the culture of the organization. And this role could also feature um, being the best jobs or the best workplace of the future. The sixth one is having flexible floor plans. When workers arrive at the office building, they're wearing devices that will let them know what floor to go to and where they may have to adjust. It's kind of like when you go into the parking garage now, because you'll see sensors and they'll say, oh, this one's empty. This one's, you know, taken, blah, blah, blah. You can figure it out right away because of those sensors. Same idea. Uh, number seven is goodbye desk. There isn't going to be a physical desk. I like desk. I'm still going to have a desk. Um, but employees will park themselves anywhere and have a simulated office before their eyes. So more virtual reality, augmented reality. Uh, the eighth one is your robot assistant. All workers at all levels will be using robotic helpers in the future like Siri or Alexa or whatever you use to sort through your incoming mail, schedule meetings, create spreadsheets, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, the ninth one is smarter brainstorming. Most meetings will take place between different groups of workers in multiple locations, allowing seamless sharing of ideas and brainstorming across time zones. Yay for that. And the tenth one is the virtual water cooler. Getting informal get-togethers will take place via virtual and augmented reality um, headsets. So the last area that I was going to pull up here pretty quickly, and we're coming really fast to the end of the show, is um, the impact of automation. What is that going to be looking like? So there's fairly divided opinions on whether technological devices and advances will reduce human jobs or technology is going to actually produce more jobs as they displace jobs that are you know, no longer needed. So an article by Wall Street Journal says that automation is expected to impact work in a series of three waves. The first one is in early 2030, it's algorithmic. So it's all gonna be tied to the data that comes in with how we work. And as we continue to gather this through IoT devices, whatever we're talking about, um, that's how they're going to be able to figure it out. But you probably are seeing this even still now because of COVID, there's been this great leave, people leaving uh, work jobs in droves. And you probably have experienced um, at some restaurants where they've said, oh, I'm sorry, we're closed early because we don't have any people to work here. Or you may have seen robots delivering food in California. I know they do that. They deliver food from restaurants. So you don't have to have a, a food deliverer. You're not using some of the uh, Grubhub or the other apps that are out there. You're going to see that there would be robots being the, the maids. So some of those jobs that were for people that came over as um, immigrants, they're going away. Some of them because of their emotional or their neural learning abilities, 
dishwashers, they're not going to need them. Those are going to end up being robots that do these things. So we have to think carefully about the jobs we're taking away because there are some people that are not going to be able to move into high skilled functioning jobs. And so we have to, as people, we need to be cognizant of what that is creating. The second wave is going to be late 2030 is more augmentation. So virtual reality, you know, any augmented reality, we're going to see that happening. And then the third wave is from 2030 on is more autonomy. 3% of the jobs are expected to be displaced in the first wave. The number can increase considerably in the next two waves, as much as like 30% might be automated with more and more workplaces starting to embrace the advancement in technology. So again, really important to remember, what is the impact on all of our different skills and abilities in the workplace? Every time we get an automation, that doesn't mean that it's a good thing. How is it hurting other people? And what is the impact on, on all of us because of that? Okay, we are at the end of the show here, and I'm going to be giving my best mentoring advice that I want to share with my listeners. And I'm going to pull this one from Randy Baker, who was in one of our previous episodes with Kent Gustafson and Randy Baker. Great show, totally got railroaded, love it. We, I hope that you guys listen to it and leave comments because these two guys are a hoot and a half. But Randy shared, um, this was it. The bottom line is to listen a lot because when he was talking with one of his previous supervisors, he said, Randy, you need to give me what I'm asking you for, not what you think I want, but what I'm really asking. So listen to what it is and ask questions if you're not sure. So going back to it, the bottom line is listen a lot. Um, how can my listeners contact me? The website, well, our website is uh, e, the number four, the letter C dot tech, T-E-C-H. Uh, so it's employers for change, E4C dot tech. Um, you can also go to cat5studios.com and pivotbusinessconsulting.com, any of those websites. Our social channels, we're on every single social channel, including YouTube. Well, okay, we're not on TikTok and we're not on Reddit, so no. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and YouTube. Those are the standard ones. My email, well, if you want my email, connect with me on LinkedIn, and that would be one way. The other one I'm going to tell you, go ahead and send it to info at e, um, internpursuit.tech and uh, put a subject line in there that you heard me on the podcast. That's going to help quite a bit. So I do want to say a little shout out to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to our production team. We have some new video interns coming in here, Chase McDowell, David Ullman, and Keisha Perez. Our music, Sophie Lloyd. These are all of the different artists that have worked with us. So today's music is Sophie Lloyd's. Um, Charles Fleming, Elijah Sutton, Dave Francis, and we have a new composer with us, Diego Liel. Leal, and then sound effects by coming in, Eric Peterson, Matt Millers, Miguel Centra, and Dave Francis. So over here, you can visit us and, oops, that's a little too loud. You can visit us at www.e4c.tech and you can learn how to create real diversity and inclusive cultures while scaling your people for the future. I want to thank you for listening to our show. Come back, look for us on these other 16 podcast channels, your favorite ones. 
And I want to thank Valencia College Radio, Cornell University, and WBBR for sharing our show. Thank you so much. You guys have a really great, happy new year.